there. Welcome to Adequately Nerdy, a podcast where my wife and I talk about things we nerd out over. I'm Joe. And I'm Kate. And today, we're going to talk about the pangolin. Now, Kate, I've known you for a while. Yes. So, obviously, I've seen lots of pictures and videos of this animal. It's very hard to escape, yes. They're not real, right? I mean, these have got to be <laughs> fantasy creatures. I mean, these are creatures straight out of D&D. That is a, a common misconception. Uh, much like the narwhal, there are many people who don't believe that these are real creatures. Joe and listeners, I would like you to close your eyes for a moment. Unless you're driving. Keep those open if you're driving. Yes, please. Metaphorically close your eyes. I want you to imagine a small animal, mm-hmm. a small mammal that can fit in your hands, about the size of a bread box, if you will, that has a very narrow face, very pointed nose, no. and is completely covered in this scaly plate armor that has a tail that extends the length of its body, wraps around just a little bit at the end, and these long claws. And you can just see on the profile a little bit of hair sticking out around the belly. (laughs) Just a little bit of hair, right? Just a little bit. All right. And that is my favorite animal, the pangolin. Like, I mean, I know people are going to immediately, they have to just go and Google this as soon as they can. I have a painting, or a, sorry, a uh, pencil drawing of a pangolin hanging on my wall right now. And so I can literally look at it and I can tell you, they have these uh, dark eyes and these ears that are almost curled into their head. They kind of adhere to the edge. They don't have this outer structure that humans have. It's very much tied into the skull. Seems like they wouldn't be able to hear very well that way, though. Well, they don't really need to because they're not predatory. They're, in Mm. fact, very, very, I don't know if docile is the correct word, but they're non-aggressive. They have these long claws, but they don't use these long claws to attack. Instead, they use it to break up anthills because Mm. they're, in fact, very similar to the anteater. So they're not, like, slashing it. No slash attacks. Correct. No slash attacks. In fact, when these guys are on the defense, when they are attacked in some capacity, when they are threatened, they curl into a ball. Which is the other reason that they're my favorite. That's adorable. (laughs) It is adorable. Pangolin is from a Malay word. That means something being able to curl into a ball. So I think that's kind of perfect. Yeah, there you go. I love it. I mean, that Um, seems like very suited for the animal. I mean, appropriately so. Sometimes biology names work out quite well. What happens for them is, imagine you are in Africa, you're a pangolin, you're wandering around looking for some tasty ants, and a lion, ah, a lion, Hmm. curl into a ball. Yep, yep. And the lion kind of bats you around, <laughs> just like a giant medicine ball. Right. And I've I've seen video of this. It bats it around and loses interest because lion's got lion things to do. And if <laughs> it's not going to be able to eat this pangolin, then I'm wasting my time. So now it's just like, oh, it's a it's a rock that I thought was moving, and and I'm and I'm bored. And then the pangolin just waits, and then it uncurls and goes to look for more ants because so, that's what a pangolin does. So like defense through laziness. Uh huh. All right. It is my spirit animal in every <laughs> sense of the word. They are my favorite. I love them. So they these long claws they can use to dig up for ants. Obviously, once they've dug in, they also have tongues. I mean, most animals have tongues. Yeah. They have tongues that extend the entire length of their body, sometimes longer than their body, depending on the species, that extends into the anthill. And it's coated in this very sticky mm-hmm. saliva. So that as it extends very, very far, we're talking several feet, into the anthill, 
it's coated in ants, then it sucks it back into their mouth and directly into their stomach to start digestion. No well, teeth involved. That, that's one way to do it. Like I've heard online, I mean, definitely not an animal you want to take French kissing lessons from, I assume. Ugh, no, definitely not. I enjoy them, but not in that particular way. In case the lion does not lose interest or any other predator does not lose interest and the curling into a ball is not quite enough, because their tails are so long when they wrap around themselves to mm -hmm. become this ball of protective shells or not shells, uh, scales, they can also release just the ends of their tails, not release isn't detach, but uncurl from the ball. And they're able to swipe out at predators if they're still in the ball form and if the predators are still annoying them. And the edges of those hard scales will catch and actually will become sharp. So oh. they can defend themselves if absolutely necessary. But this happens not as often. The tail is usually used for more of a balance issue. Or if they're a tree pangolin, so the claws can some in some species can also be used for climbing. Sometimes the tail will be used to maintain balance around the branch. So like a like, well, tail whip. Okay, speaking of Pokemon, there's a there's a lot of speculation that Nintendo based the Sandshrew and Sandslash characters, for anyone who's into the original 150 Pokemon out there, on the Pangolin. Of course, really? they made a few choices as far as, like, ears that stick out when that's not really the case. <laughs> or the fact that they're multi-tonal and they don't have any fur, at least that we can tell. There's a few creative differences. But it's interesting that the Japanese creators were perhaps inspired by an animal that many huh. people have never heard of. That's interesting. Yeah, I didn't even think that. Because I mean, I've seen the Sandshrew, and I've seen like their claws up the front that look like our painting on the wall mm -hmm. of, of the pangolin. They look dangerous, right? They do. But they're not used for anything. They're just, they're, they always are like kind of clasped together. And in fact, if any of you are, in fact, right now Google searching and image, image searching these animals... You'll see that a lot of them are walking around on their hind legs, which doesn't happen super often. But when they do, they walk with their front paws together, their front limbs together. And it looks almost like they're asking for something like, please, sir, may I have a penny? Or, excuse me, I've lost my glasses and I need some help. Like they're, they're very worried about something. Oh, it's so cute. It's so cute. The smallest one that's recorded is a tree pangolin, and it's between two and, I'm sorry, four and six pounds. Oh, that's real that's, tiny. That's the adult, is <laughs> four to six pounds. Yeah, that's real, real tiny. Um, and the largest one ever recorded is the giant pangolin species that's found in Africa. Their tails can be quite long, and the longest, the largest one ever recorded was 72 pounds. So these are... That's a bit of a discrepancy. <laughs> they <laughs> they can be pretty, they can be pretty large. Wide, yeah. All right, now, I'm, you have definitely described how adorable these creatures are, and but I know you, and there's got to be more than that of why you love them so much. It can't just be cuteness, because there are cute animals all over the place. Well, of course, there's so many cute animals, and I spend so much of my time looking at baby animals. But no, I love the pangolin because they're so pointedly devoted to themselves, which I think is interesting. Yeah. They don't care about predators. They don't care about being aggressive. They have better things to do with their time. They're the zen mammal of the desert. They're just very much into, I'm going to eat some ants, and I'm going to curl them into a ball, and then I'm going to eat some more ants. And that's all that they do. Yeah. And the fact that not a lot of people know about them, I think, is a plus, because I very much enjoy telling people things, because I'm a teacher, and that's what I do for a living. But I like 
sharing that information with people. You love sharing them so much that you even, <laughs> you did something at your school trying to share your love of the pangolin. I, I certainly did. Uh, my school is relatively new. The school where I'm teaching at right now is relatively new. And we had a competition last year to determine the school mascot. And so the whole school got involved. Everybody got to vote. There were big campaigns. They did multiple rounds. And of course, I submitted the fighting pangolins as our school mascot. That's a solid name. It it's sounds a solid great. Right? Yeah. I had my flyers. I had petitions. I wanted to get a t-shirt, but that was too expensive. <laughs> <laughs> or also getting copywriting for the for the image of the pangolin. So mm-hmm. I decided just to just to spread the word. And the number one question I got is, oh, you really like penguins? Mm. Uh, no, no, this is, this is a pangolin. This is a picture of a pangolin. If you think this is a picture of a penguin, then my job as a biology teacher, <laughs> I should be fired. Oh, no. <laughs> How did that go? Your petition for making the fighting pangolins your school mascot? Well, we fought hard. I managed to uh, swing a couple of students Okay. Over and on my side, and we eventually lost yeah. with a uh, two or three percent of the overall vote, <laughs> oh, no. if I'm remembering correctly. So it wasn't zero, you know. Yeah, would have been something. Would have been nice if it was double digits, but I'll take what I could get. I still maintain that the fighting pangolins is perfect for a variety of reasons. Number one, they're cute, of course. Number two, the name just sounds awesome that's a really good name right the fighting pangolins it It sounds great my favorite thing about it is my school and you know this Mm -hmm. my school is very academic focused we have a couple of exceptional sports teams we have students who are very athletic but i would say that the vast majority of my school focuses on academics and there's just something really appealing to me as a teacher about Going into an athletic competition, and win or lose, our opponents will learn something. Because <laughs> they're going to get there and say, the, we're playing the what? The fighting pangolins? Is that a typo on all of their jerseys? I'm going to look this up. Huh, this is a really cool animal. <laughs> I should get involved in pangolin conservation. And then I've changed the world. Yeah, well, there you go. I mean, I think that there was a slight flaw in your plan nope incorrect because you want to go with the fighting pangolins after you've just told us in in great detail about how they don't fight aha aha they fight when threatened and also you don't know that (laughs) unless you know what a pangolin is so you look it up and you're like oh man these creatures are terrifying they've got this they've got this shell these scales and they can they've got these big claws and oh they're so fearsome but really only if you mess with them. And again, if you've gotten to that point, I've won. As a teacher, maybe our team will lose horribly. But you know <laughs> what? I've won as a teacher. We've all won as human beings. And isn't that the most important part? You can all tell by now that I don't sure. sports very well. <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing that I really enjoy about the pangolin, and one of the things that my students, because I'm still spreading the word, is that those scales, those hard scales on the outside, are actually made of keratin, which is the same protein that you find in your nails. 
Oh, really? It's the same. It's the same sort of texture. Same thing in horse hooves and whatnot. It's mm. that same hard protein that gives that texture, that gives that structure. It's the same thing that pangolin scales are made of. Yeah, it's giving them enough protection to prevent a lion from eating them. Exactly. So all you need to do is grow this set of like fingernails on a jacket. And then become a yep, mm -hmm. and then become a contortionist and curl into a ball, and you've got yourself a pangolin. No, yeah, don't do that. That Terrible imagery. That was terrible. I regret. (laughs) I regret it immediately. Through your efforts, I've heard of the pangolin, Mm -hmm. and several of your students now have at least two. (laughs) (laughs) Why isn't it more widespread? Why is the pangolin such a strange creature for people to? to learn about, to know about. Mm -hmm. Well, it's starting to become a little bit more popular now. I think part of that is due to people being curious and keeping an eye on the endangered species list. Mm. So there are eight species of pangolin. Four of them live in Asia. Four of them live in Africa. And all eight are currently on the International Union for the Conservation of Nature of their endangered species list. They're on their red list. Holy crap. Yeah, All 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 of them. There are two Asian species, the Chinese pangolin and the Sunda pangolin. The Sunda pangolin is found in Southeast Asia, specifically Thailand, Malaysia, and Indonesia. Those two are critically endangered, which means that they're likely to go extinct in the wild soon. Uh The other two Asian species, which are the Philippine and Indian pangolins, they are considered endangered. And then the four African species are considered vulnerable, which means they're likely to become endangered soon. But yeah, the Chinese pangolin and the Sunda pangolin are probably going to be extinct soon unless we're able to redirect the flow of their population. Yeah, that's not fun. The layers then is like vulnerable and then endangered and then Mm -hmm. critically endangered. And then extinct. And then extinct. So critically endangered, those two species are the last line before they get to extinct. Why don't zoos pick up a bunch and start breeding them out then? So there are not a lot of pangolins in captivity, which is the other reason many people haven't heard much about them because you can't just go to any old zoo and see them. The San Diego Zoo, I believe, had one for a couple of years and then had to release them into the wild. They don't do well in captivity. And even when they're rehabilitated, it still is a very time-consuming process. I can understand that. It's very, very difficult, which is why you can't just go adopt one because they're cute because I already looked it un- looked into it. <laughs> don't, oh, yeah? wor- don't worry, listeners. <laughs> I've done that research <laughs> for you. You can't do it. I can't. No. I want to so bad. But now I'll have to move to Namibia if I want to do that. How did they get so endangered? What caused these creatures to get to this level? There's two main reasons, and there's definitely a reason that the Asian pangolins are going faster on the endangered and the critically endangered list rather than the African species, and that's because they're considered a delicacy in Southeast Asia, especially in Chinese and Vietnamese cooking. Secondly, and what I think is the most horrifying slash interesting, I suppose, is that a lot of both Chinese and Vietnamese traditional medicines use the scales, use the scales in a variety of poultices and potions and powdered things that you eat to improve Why? your health. These are fingernails, basically, right? They are. And that's that's the most frustrating thing is this is the same quality that you have in your fingernails. If you're having an issue, if you have a headache or you have asthma, which we'll talk about in a second, chew your fingernails. It's exactly the same thing. And yet, for some reason, we are 
destroying these animals to the point of extinction. So, so what all are they saying that these, you know, scales are supposed to heal or help or do what? what are, what's the point? I found, I did a lot of research on this because I wanted to find what the range was. I found an article from 1938 that was published in Nature magazine. Uh-huh. Um, you can find the link to it on our blog post. And I'm going to quote it. Fresh scales are never used, but dried scales are roasted, ashed, cooked in oil, butter, vinegar, boys' urine, or roasted with earth or oyster shells to cure a variety of ills. Amongst these are excessive nervousness and hysterical crying in children, women possessed by devils and ogres, malarial fever, and deafness. I have questions. Yeah, mm -hmm, I'm sure you do. First, they're very specific on how you're supposed to prepare these. Very, very specific. <laughs> it seems to be slightly more vague on what it's actually supposed to do. You don't say. You picked up on that, huh? Yeah. This is one of those things where I do not participate, partake in traditional medicine of any kind. That's just not something that I personally get into. However, when I read this, even for people that I know that do partake in traditional medicine for whatever reason, for therapy, homeopathic, acupuncture, whatever it is, I find it really difficult to read something like this and believe that, yeah, no, that totally sounds like it's going to cure both deafness and crying in children. Not to mention anything that you're asking a kid to eat dried scales that have been cooked in boys' urine, that would definitely stop me crying pretty fast, and then I'd immediately start crying again. And then there's the whole, you know women possessed by devils and ogres bit which obviously there's all kinds of scientific evidence for yeah we'll we'll talk about this in later episodes but the treatment of of women and also the mentally ill in general just demon possession was a was a very common we're not sure what's going on so demon it was a very common diagnosis massive list of again and what they say cure a variety of ills question mark right this was again this article was in from 1938 it also goes on to say in that particular year that they had documented between 4,000 and 5,000 of these pangolins had been imported to china from java indonesia and that was every year and that was 80 years ago that was 80 years ago who knows what those numbers look like now now that we have more updated technology and populations have grown it's it's absurd. They're still seizing. I think in 2016, there was recently a shipment of two tons of pangolin scales that they were found Why? being trafficked in. And that's the scales, not the organisms. That's not the pangolin itself. That's just the that's scales. Just the scales. And there's, there's still more research being done. Some other sources I found as far as what they're being used to treat today, 80 years later, asthma, arthritis, cancer... Of course, why not? Just throw that in there. And also, male virility. There's the ticket. Yep, that seems to be the one. There's where all the tons of pangolin scales are going to. To note, yeah, of course, the same medicine that I want to use to to help out my arthritis might as well help my cancer. Sure, and my deafness and the hysterical (laughs) crying of my child. A piece of this is something that we, on on a podcast that we both love, from the McElroy's called Sawbones. Yes, great podcast. It's amazing. They have the saying that if you find something that is essentially a cure-all, it, it cures, cures nothing. nothing. 
Uh, it seems like this sort of fits into that category. Sure, sure. And that's exactly right. That's what the, the McElroys have said. However, I will say that there is there is hope um, as recently as just earlier this month. So March 2019, the Environmental Investigation Agency just released a report that Chinese lawmakers are going to be able to vote on a ban that will ban the use of pangolin scales specifically for the use of traditional medicines. Wow, that's that's actually impressive. That's not something you hear regularly. Right. I mean, it's it's potentially huge and it's been a really big upswing because a lot of materials fr- are being harvested from living things that are on the endangered species list or are quickly becoming endangered because of their use in traditional medicine. We've heard about shark fins. Oh yeah. Right? And we've heard about ivory, so yeah. elephant tusks. Lots of different things that are hopefully we're starting to see a change in the attitudes and more mm. in the interest of conservation. And yeah, and also really actual science too. I think helps a bit too when they're showing. Yeah, they believed that these things worked in this way, but then we can actually show it doesn't it, that it's not happening. Right. If you have these things and you want help, you can. There are things that will help. Sure, and there's Just not the scales of a pangolin. And it's not to say that there's not plenty of traditional medicines that do work. You know, Correct. aspirin is derived from the bark yep. of a willow tree. There's there's plenty of options here that don't rely on the harvesting and the killing and the poaching of these frankly adorable and amazing <laughs> creatures. All right. I mean, yes, there's this law coming out or there's a vote for a law hopefully mm-hmm. to come out, but I mean, that's in China. What can I do personally to help? I mean, is there anything that I can do? Sure. Now that I have won you over to the conservation side and hopefully I haven't brought everybody down too much, But there are some organizations that are working to either find more information about pangolins or specifically to work towards their conservation. A couple sources that I found that I really, really got behind and I really enjoyed, pangolinconservation.org has a lot of information on legislation. They have some things that you can buy towards conservation efforts. You can read about all their individual products as well and their projects as far as joining the mailing list to talk about when legislation about pangolins is coming up and things like that. I found their website very, very helpful and really good to read on. Um, Another organization that I looked into is called AfriCat, which does not sound like it's about pangolins, (laughs) Um, but it's an organization that's based in Namibia and it has, it's kind of its hands in several different projects and several different research elements about different animals that live in Africa. Given that, the only four species that live in Africa are vulnerable. Yeah. Their population is decreasing at almost a faster rate right now than the endangered species. Because there's more, they're more easily found, I Correct. assume. For the reason, the exact reason for that is that the critically endangered and even the endangered species are harder to find. And therefore, there's a lot of demand in Indonesia, Malaysia, China, Vietnam to get these African pangolin species shipped and imported into these countries where the demand is high. Researchers at africat.org, which is where I suggest that you go and check them out, um, have a research organization specifically devoted to learning more about pangolins, looking at more of their habitat, the way that they survive, the environment that allows them to thrive. What can we do to increase their successful living in 
captivity potentially for their own protection? Mm -hmm. What are different research techniques that we can do to improve their conservation and things like that? And we'll have links to both of these, to the websites on our website. Absolutely. Hopefully we didn't bring you down too much about the poaching of animals and then brought you back up with what we can do (laughs) because hopefully that's, that's the point of... The point of our happy little podcast. Because, I mean, that is that is the good thing. Like you said, there is hope. This of course, isn't, there's the, always this hope. This isn't the end of a species yet. We can work towards making it so that we don't end on a sad note. Exactly. We hope you learned something from today's podcast. If you want to suggest a future topic or just say hello, head over to adequatelynerdy.com. You can also find the links to everything we've talked about today and the links to our Twitter and Instagram feeds. Keep in mind, we are not great at social media, but we're working on it. Thanks for your patience. (laughs) Okay, and until next time, stay nerdy. Nerdy.